Good morning, everyone. I greet you in Jesus' name. I invite you to open your Bibles to Philippians and the second chapter. <clears throat> Philippians, the second chapter. I'd like to read the uh, first 18 verses. <clears throat> Philippians 2. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy, and rejoice with me. <coughs> the, uh, the verses that is is uh, 15 and 16. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. 
three things especially that I want us to uh, notice in these couple of verses. <clears throat> One is that there is a, a crooked and perverse nation. And that story, that, uh, that account that Gerald was sharing, uh, just uh, underscores that. What a wicked, wicked world we live in. And, and uh, the nation here is not a, a, a government. A, it's not the U.S. or Mexico or Peru or China, but it is the people of the world, the peoples of the world who are lost and are contrary to God in, in their hearts and in their behavior and they're selfish and they're lost and uh, they are crooked and perverse. <coughs> Jesus, <coughs> in chapter 9 of Matthew, <coughs> he had done a number of miracles there. He had raised Jairus' daughter to life and, and I believe cast out some demons and healed a blind man or two, and, and multitudes of people were coming toward Jesus. And in the last of the chapter, it says, When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That's the crooked and perverse nation. And they're not, uh, they're not all just uh, dedicated to wickedness, but they're lost and they're crooked and they're twisted in their thinking and in their goals and their pursuits and and, uh, and they're without God and without peace. And it's dark where they are. Their souls and their, their future is dark. And it's a, it is a mission field. He also mentions in these couple verses uh, that Paul wrote in Philippians, the sons of God, the sons of God. Uh, the blameless, the harmless, the sincere sons of God who are without rebuke. They, they are different from the, the crooked and perverse things around them. Uh, their hearts have been cleansed and they're committed to, to God and they're, they're following Him. And the third thing is here in this in these couple of verses, the word of life, the word of life, a living, a life-giving word. It's uh, the message of the gospel. It is Jesus Christ. Like Gerald said, that's the answer for Mexico. Uh, the lost, the crooked and perverse in Mexico it's, it's the answer for the crooked and perverse uh, in the U.S. and everywhere else in the world. And, and right here in our neighborhood and in our homes and 
in our own lives. The word of life. And the sons of God have become sons of God because they have accepted that life-giving message of the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ and his indwelling spirit. And Paul wrote in Ephesians 5 verse 8, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Hold forth the word of life. <coughs> Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And so it is to that, to the crooked and perverse nation, that multitude that Jesus looked on, that Jesus is looking on today, a field of souls that from, from whom he would gather a harvest. And it is to them that the sons of God are holding forth the word of life. I don't know how many of you have, you've all seen pictures of the Statue of Liberty. And maybe some of you have actually seen it. Uh, I remember being quite impressed uh, driving by on the shore there and, and seeing the actual Statue of Liberty out there in the harbor and standing there so tall and that, that arm lifted high with the, the torch in its hand and that light shining to symbolize uh, freedom. But it is a lifeless statue. That statue is a cold uh, metal form. And that light that's shining up there in, its, uh, in the end of that uh, torch uh, comes from a power source on the shore somewhere, I suppose. <coughs> but the sons of God are not lifeless statues but they are living testimonies holding forth the true light that gives and, and they are living the light of life they know the Lord they're living for the Lord they are speaking for the Lord they are holding forth the word of life they're holding it out they're, they're offering it, and they're uh, living it for God, for Christ, the Master. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It is, it is God's desire to make more sons, to make more sons and daughters, to convert more of the crooked and perverse 
into the blameless and the harmless and without rebuke. And in addition uh, to shining to the lost, uh, the sons of God hold up the light to one another. And it is an encouragement to be among people that are holding up the light. Encouraging one another, blessing one another, inspiring, exhorting, correcting one another. Uh, In Ephesians 4, a couple of verses there, 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, uh, praying for the church, may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. That the church, that those light bearers together can grow up into him in all things, into the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That, that uh, the whole body, this is God's design, God's purpose, that the whole body joined and knit together by the contribution from, from every one, that every connection uh, uh, brings about, that, that every part is contributing and doing its share. It causes uh, the growth of the body for the edifying of itself. And that is only as each part is, is connected to the head and holding forth the light. and finding in him the source of light. Paul was an example of a transformation from dark to light. And in Acts 9, we have the story of his conversion, and he tells that story uh, twice at least, maybe three times, in testimonies to others and in his writing. In verse 1 says this way, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters. But this is what's striking here. Breathing out threatenings and slaughter. Uh, What was he holding up? He was holding up dark. Uh, There wasn't a light. Uh, breathing out threatenings and slaughter. He was holding forth death. His heart was dark. He was frustrated, extremely frustrated, angry, and he was filled with hatred to, to, to those people of the way, followers of Christ. There, there is... There is no, uh, nothing inspirational there in that, in, that, uh, in that life. There was nothing there to inspire anyone to come to the Lord and find peace. There was nothing there. 
But there on the, uh, on the road to Damascus, he met. He met the Lord Jesus. He met the light. And we're very familiar with that story. And he acknowledged the light. And uh, he surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then uh, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't know just when and how all that happened, but uh, Ananias told him that he would be filled with the Holy Ghost. He was. And, but there as he knelt, and, uh, or f on his face, uh, there on the, on the road, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Something, something began to change. And we're here in Philippians, we read about at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow uh, and every tongue confess. That was happening to Paul there on that road to Damascus, very, very dramatically. And from that point on, he was holding forth the word of life. <clears throat> A few verses later, beginning at verse 20, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus proving that this is very Christ holding forth the word of life, shining as lights in the world, blameless and harmless and without rebuke among a crooked and perverse people. And so he lit up his part of the world where he went, holding forth the word of life. Uh, by the way that he lived, he, uh, <coughs> he lived before the Lord with a good conscience. That was his goal and his, his uh, intent. And not to disobey the Lord in anything. And new churches sprang up where he traveled as people responded to the gospel, to the life-giving word that he shared. And then he was an encouragement to believers also uh, in the churches that he went back and visited and in the letters that he wrote to them and to us, holding forth the word of life. What a transformation and what a difference it made in his life and in the world. <clears throat> the sons of God are to be uh, uh, shine as lights in the world. And all of us here this morning who are Christians are to be lights like Jesus described. Ye are the light of the world. God has chosen uh, us to be lights, to hold forth the word of life. <clears throat> and a good question for us is, 
to ask ourselves what quality is that light? Is it clear? Now it's very obvious that Paul, Saul, back here in Acts 9, there was no question he was crooked and perverse. And there was nothing there that, that pointed people to life and drew people to life. But he became someone who shone very brightly for, for God, holding up Christ and, and um, the word of life. And, you know, as we've uh, been looking through Revelation and we went through some of the letters to the churches and, and in reading the epistles that Paul and Peter and John wrote, we know that there were Christians, churches, individuals that uh, claimed Christ, but they, there was, uh, they weren't holding forth the, the, the word of life very brightly. So the quality of, of that light varies from Christian to Christian. And it could be that uh, a person would become like a statue of liberty, couldn't it? That, a, that someone, uh, a Christian, could become like the statue of liberty, just a kind of a form there and a shape that uh, somebody just glancing might think that's a Christian. They, they uh, are holding a Bible even, and they are going into that building that is a church, and they said this, or they say they are a Christian, but the light... The light isn't really all that bright or clear or attractive. And I think what this passage here in Philippians uh, tells us, I mean, if we look for it here, we can see the example of Christ and, and what it takes to, to be a brighter light, to be a bright light, and to truly hold forth the word of life. <clears throat> and it begins like it did with Paul, uh, with the life being real within us. If it isn't real within us, there's no life. There's no uh, life going forth from us. And when we compromise... Um, you know, he says here, blameless and harmless. When we're influenced by the crooked and the perverse around us, and, and when we're affected and follow, affected by our flesh and follow our flesh, when we uh, have wrong attitudes, when we get upset and we uh, are proud, and, or we do things that we know really aren't right, uh, that dims our light. That dims our light. And it really comes down to um, affecting our relationship with God, affecting how freely the Spirit can work in our hearts, in our life. It affects our light. Um, there was a very good question asked in our Sunday school class this morning. <coughs> 
and that is to think about uh, you know the things that we enjoy and the things that we even think about in heaven that we would look forward to and where is God on that list and you know do we really enjoy God and do we really uh, have a fellowship with him that that is uh, rich and meaningful and and uh, that we're living in that relationship and I can uh, I, I confess along with a couple of others that spoke up in Sunday school and said that sometimes you know that isn't or hasn't been in the right order the, the order that it is and but there surely is a way a path uh, to have that kind of fellowship I think if Paul could find it uh, Paul who was breathing out threatenings and slaughters on the way when he started out toward Damascus if he could find it then uh, I believe that anyone else can too even I can find it and you can find it and when we find it and when we walk in it that is when our light uh, is the brightest and when we're most effectively holding forth the word of life when our life is coming from our heart and um, and we we see people as God sees them as Jesus saw them there in Matthew uh, 9 <clears throat> Let's just notice a few things here in Philippians, <coughs> the second chapter. Notice that I already referred to this in, uh, in uh, verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and that uh, every tongue should confess. Well, we have to start there, bowing before the Lord, confessing Him as Jesus Christ and that He is the Lord and saying that He is the Master, that He is the Master of my life. And just as Christ was exalted by the way He humbled Himself before the Lord, uh, so God, uh, His Son, lifts us to heavenly places when we bow before him and serve him that way and become obedient unto death even the death of the cross the death of the of the old man and and we say no to that and that is when life can begin in us and we can experience consolation and comfort and fellowship of the spirit with God. And he says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Those are things that dim, dim the light, dim our, dull our relationship and dim our light. But humbly, in lowliness of mind, esteem other better than themselves. And don't be selfish. Just thinking about your own things caring not for others but care about other people be concerned about them 
don't be grasping. Jesus wasn't. He was willing to turn loose even heaven and his position there with the Father to, uh, to come and be a servant. Be a servant. Be a servant like Jesus was a servant. A humble, uh, lowly servant. And obeying the Lord Jesus. And make that, a, make that following the Lord uh, and obeying Him a priority. Um, I, I made a trip recently and I was listening to uh, the, uh, the Hartville Chorus. And they were, one of the songs on the CD was, If Ye Love Me. If Ye Love Me. Keep my commandments. And uh, to keep the commandments because we love the Lord. That's holding forth the word of life. Uh, and then the Lord can work in us. We, we certainly have a part, and there needs to be an earnestness on our part. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's to those who have confessed the Lord Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ as Lord, and who obey him and are earnestly following him. In some places, I, I didn't note any, uh, I didn't include any here in, in my notes, but uh, love and obedience uh, can't uh, be separated. Loving God, obeying God. Uh, some translations actually handle those places uh, differently. One may say love and other obey. <clears throat> there is an obedience uh, just kind of going through the motions kind of obedience. But there is an obedience uh, from a heart of love and an earnest commitment to God. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Don't complain. Be a humble, obedient servant. These are a few things that he mentions here in this passage, but it's, it's a beautiful passage. And I like the way that it, uh, it brings us here, holding forth the word of life. And, and Paul said that it would bring great joy to him to see the Philippians, to hear that the Philippians were holding forth the word of life brightly, shining as lights in the world, uh, because he knew that if they did, uh, that other people would be affected and attracted to the light, and there would be uh, fewer crooked and perverse people out there as those people respond. But just as uh, Paul wanted to rejoice in that, 
Jesus, God the Father, rejoices to see his children holding forth the word of life and shining as lights in the world that brings joy to him. And it's part of our mission. It is our mission. And that's not, uh, that's not calling us, it's not a call to foreign missions. It may be that that's where God takes us. But it is a call to us to hold forth the word of life wherever we are and whenever uh, and, and always that we are a light. And ye shall be witnesses. It starts with homework. It starts with Christ. It ends with Christ. We could look at the scriptures that point out that the soils vary. Some soils are hard. Other soils are open but shallow. Some soils are open but distracted. Some soils are open and ready and they bear fruit. And we know that uh, it is God that brings the increase. Paul wrote that in, in Corinthians. He said that he can, he can uh, plant, Apollos can water, but God must bring the increase. Now that's changing the analogy a little bit, going from light to seed, but it's the same, the same, uh, the same concept. And my challenge for myself and for all of us is uh, to, to be the kind of disciple and have the kind of relationship with the Lord and the kind of walk before the Lord that um, we can hold forth, that I can hold forth, hold high the word of life, that I live it and show it and that I say it when there's when there's opportunity and uh, not not only to the lost but to be an encouragement to to one another and uh, let's pray that Marcus finds it and that his wife finds it his son and those wicked mafia in Mexico and our neighbors and our families. But, but we can all be a part of that work, part of the work of God. May the Lord bless us.